Yay! <laughs> Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We've used science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. But it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively? It'll be up to you, and you too. Hey, Todd, what... Um what has 27 actors, four settings or four environments, only two writers, and one plot? Ah, oh, boy. I was told there would be no math. <laughs> 683 Hallmark classic movies. Hallmark. I have you ever sat through like a one of those Hallmark movies? I've done a couple for uh since How Did This Get Made has done like one or two, but boy, I just don't I I, I understand the appeal, but then I don't understand going uh, the appeal of sitting through like I I don't know. It's just it's just weird. I mean, other than uh, was it a walk in his shoes or, or how, oh, how, what and how got Sarah her wings? got her wings, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which weren't technically Hallmark classics, I think, but they were in the vein of, yeah, you know, inspired yeah. by, <laughs> <laughs> inspired by, uh, so how are you doing? How was your Christmas? It was um, mostly quiet. Uh, Nick and I did travel around the Portland metro area as elves and deliver things to people's porches. Uh, yes, you and, did. And, and so we didn't go. You know, like it was such a weird Christmas. You know, normally we've got our routine of going to Nick's family's house and opening up all the things. Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day, we go to grandma's and all the family, blah, blah, blah. and then, you know, and, and uh, we did none of that. And we just uh, <laughs> delivered gifts and like high fived people in the air yeah. without touching them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> just like how Christmas is supposed right. to be. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. This apart. is the. F- this is the first time I think, unless there's been an, an off year, but I believe the first time in my entire life that I have not been with my family for Christmas. You know, sometimes yeah. it's like a day before, you know, right. it kind of shuffles around and we were we were gonna do um so my my brother and sister in law and their family, they have uh four girls, one of which is is married, but they their family moved to Minnesota last year and so I knew I wouldn't be able to get to see them but you know I saw them a couple months ago so that was great but it's going to be I was going to drive back to eastern Washington and just spend it with my mom and dad and then my niece who lives in Boise was going to come over and it was just going to be us kind of over New Year's because um my mom had knee surgery and then like we couldn't kind of get the schedules for getting there for Christmas and then I got the call that we would have to be bumping that out because my parents ended up getting COVID. So they are recovering from that. My they and to 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 their uh credit, they are not people that were being dangerous or like this is all whatever, like since the lockdown, they've been doing masks and washing hands and keeping to sew and all yep. that. So the only thing that they can think of is that my dad has been going to the doctors um for follow up for some cancer treatment. And he just probably got it at the doctor's office. So they, my dad's got some, um, he's been running to temperature, you know, for the last couple, couple days. And then, oh my gosh. So when was it? It was Christmas Eve night. I got a call from my mom and she was like, they just took dad to the ER. And I was like, holy, cause like up yeah. till yeah. Up the past couple of days, like I had known, but they hadn't been running any temperatures or had any really any symptoms or anything like that. So yeah. that was kind of out of the blue. And, and and for my dad to do that, I was like, oh my gosh. So like, and it was so weird. I mean, it, it had to be especially weird for my mom 
where she had she couldn't take him in because she can't drive because her she just got her knee replaced and so thankfully I have a cousin in the area that was available and took my dad to the ER and just had to drop him off and leave and then like then you don't know anything uh. about anything like he and so it was like this weird 45 minutes or an hour where like not even my mom knew what was going on or anything and so thankfully what turned out happening is that um, my dad had gone in because all of a sudden his temperature was spiking it was like 105 and 107 and like so they're like we are just gonna go in which i'm so glad that they did but it turns out that their home thermometer probably was not super accurate and faulty and you know old or whatever like that and so his he was running a little temperature at the hospital but you know not in the warning danger zone or whatever. So they clearly just sent him home right away. Um, But yeah, it was, it was just a weird kind of, thankfully a very minor firsthand experience of like, holy crap, you just dropping a loved one off and then you don't know. And then they don't, they're there alone, like going through the, and like, it was it was crazy. So he's still running a bit of a temperature. Um, my mom also tested positive obviously because they're living in the same house, but she has yet to have any symptoms of any kind. She wow. feels her knee really hurts, and but you know that's because she just got a full knee replacement. Right. But um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it'll it'll run wow. its course in the next couple of days. But yeah, super super weird. So of course they're like, well we are you know now we can't all get together clearly. So. It'll be, I think, on the weekend of the eight, January eighth that um, hopefully I'll be able to kind of just go back and see them. And but it was it was weird. So for the first time in my in my life, there wasn't a little family something or other. So it was very very strange. But one thing you did. Let me take my headphones off a second. Yeah. So I can show you who are the is the only person who's seen this but, and no one else since no one else watches our Zoom call. But I am holding up. Is there a model number here? Oh, the Discovery 1100 uh, metal detector that you dropped off for me for Christmas. So that was your gift to me was this. This. <laughs> so my microphone is made out of some sort of metal there is some <laughs> some in the computer there's metal in the computer and awesome. it does its beats and bloops and i haven't had a, a lot of uh chance to play with it yet so i'm excited to do that but yes i was very and it comes with a little scoop for when you're digging stuff out of the sand to sift the sand out and it's very old man and very exciting <laughs> colin's older brother goes that's like the biggest boomer gift i've ever <laughs> ever seen i was like that's right it is that is absolutely the biggest boomer gift it's like it was either that or loafers and a, and a robe uh, <laughs> both of which i already have <laughs> exactly uh, but i but i think uh nate heath maybe had uh posted on facebook hey does anybody have a metal detector and I raised my hand uh, because <laughs> I've got one. And you you remarked, you're like, you have a metal detector? <laughs> and so within an hour, uh, there was also a metal detector on its way from Amazon. So uh, Yes, that's right. So thank you for that. And what did I give you, Mark? <laughs> uh, so uh, nothing yet. <laughs> so a couple weeks ago, I, you know, I, I usually get, uh, I don't usually do Christmas gifts for people. I usually do their birthday stuff because also it just adds up to way too much. But it's just always been fun getting getting you and Brian a little something for for Christmas. And so a couple weeks ago, um, I ordered something and I always use your Amazon account so I can get free prime shipping and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I did that and just kind of forgot about it because it was like, oh, maybe three, three and a half weeks before Christmas. And I was like, oh, even if it doesn't make it on Christmas, it'll be, you know, it'll be right. fine the next couple of days. And so I just kept not hearing anything and kind of forgetting about it. And then I didn't want to check 
the Amazon list myself because it's like all the stuff that you buy, number one, for, for you guys. And then I didn't want to like spoil whatever it is if you got something right. for me there. I didn't want to have you guys check it because then you would just be checking what your gift was over the thing. And and then so you stopped by and dropped off my thing and I went to my computer. I'm like, okay, well, now that I know what mine is, I can go check the Amazon listing and, and find. And not only – I so I had ordered the same thing for, for you and Brian – and not only did that was there like no receipt or no evidence that I had purchased anything, that company was not there or the product was not there. It is just not. I was able to find one image on a Google search. I'm like, that's it. That's what I got. And I copied and pasted that into Amazon and like nothing came up and. <laughs> Like some similar things, but like not enough that I liked it as much. And so I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> so I ended up ordering some completely different things that should be here Wednesday. So, <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so Merry Christmas. Yay. But, um, oh, but speaking of Nate Heath, uh, his wife, Chelsea, I need to give her a special shout out. Because uh, last week we did a Portland at the movies for Train Master. Yes, we did. And for some reason... Um, <sighs> I still haven't figured out how it works, but when you send your audio, it's always in like 12 different tracks because it breaks it up from the multi-track thing and then you're on one. And then usually your computer sound, like when you play the opening opening theme, is on its own track. And it, usually there's two of them because it like splits it into a stereo track. And so I usually save that one and then I save mine, yours, and Brian and then squish them all together or whatever. And Chelsea was like, oh, you know, listening to the newest episode and there's like four times you guys say, and now listen to this great sound clip. And then there's like just 30 seconds of uh, silence. silence. Oh, no. <laughs> and like, I usually kind of go through stuff before I post it, but I thought, you know, because I ch- saw it at the beginning or whatever. <laughs> and so what happens is that, so the audio files you send get broken out into 30 minute chunks. So each file is 30 minutes and it has the multi-track on it. And for some reason, after the 30-minute mark, when it starts its second file, it then puts all of the your computer audio into a same track with me and Brian. And then so I had to go through that and then like excerpt that, hopefully without us talking, because then I was married. So it was like this whole thing. Oh, no. And then I had to do it like four different times because like I was like, oh, that was the last one. And then I would upload it and then I was sort of listening to it through the night, but like not all at once. So it was like just intent. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I missed another one. So I had to go back. But thank you, Chelsea, for for pointing that else else. None of us would ever have noticed that anything was missing. So ah, good times. All right. Well, let's dive into some news, I guess. Uh, in in I have a couple stories here. These first ones that are like terrifying future news. Okay. So the first one is the FDA approves genetically altered pigs to make food, drugs, and transplants safer. So these pigs lack a certain sugar on the surface of their cells that triggers meat allergies or organ rejection. Uh, and it won uh, FDA approval on Monday. This was the first of an international genome genomic alteration in a product both for food and medical uses, which means the animals could be safer sources of not just food, but treatments uh, for things such as blood thin. So um, there have been four previous approvals for genetic engineering in animals, three for um, the purposes of uh, medicine and one for food, but none of them for both. So these, this new, I, what we're going to have to call these something because just like medications are um, patented, like these animals and like corn is patented. And like, right, right. So now the gal safe pig named for their lack of detectable alpha gall sugar could potentially provide tissues and organs perfect. So basically um, it's safe for eating, but it also um, eliminates one of the proteins that is the main cause of organ uh, reject being having an organ rejected by a new body. And so um, which they call uh, the cross species procedure, such as xenografts and xenotransplantation. So the, the thing that they removed is the primary cause of, of rejection. 
So the FDA has approved uh, genetic modifications to produce biological drugs in animals. The first one in 2009 was in goat milk, followed by one in chicken eggs and one in rabbit milk, which I didn't know rabbit milk was a thing. <laughs> I'm glad I, I'm looking at my, my news page, but I'm glad I flipped back to the Zoom channel to see you doing the teeny tiny Milky anything that has nipples I can milk, Greg, <laughs> <Right>. symbol. <laughs> so, yeah, there is also something called the Aqua Advantage Salmon made by Aqua Bounty, which was approved in 2015 for food. Uh. So it's and it's and in that there's a genetic alteration that just makes salmon grow faster. Do you, th- so. do you think they'll start making like, uh, you know, CRISPR based, uh, you know, uh, genetically modifying animals to like imprint their logo in the meat or, you know. Oh, uh, I, like, that is because all of this stuff I, I, I edited that out of the article, but all of this is CRISPR based, you know, technology that they're right. using to do this. So. I mean, they do make um, there's you can pay to have your uh, logo branded onto the skin of an apple and that, you know, they just make a sticker that goes on the outside and then the sun does that. But that would not be surprised if like your bacon just had like a serial number or like (laughs) there's a specific amount of fat bands. And that is like the UPC code for that. Oh, wow. Wow. That's so weird. Ah, Technology. Uh, yes, but well, another terrifying future technology no, uh, news, an early experiment toward using sun dimming technology to cool global warming has opponents fearing a slippery slope toward engineering the climate. So this is out of Oslo, Harvard University. Scientists plan to fly a test balloon above Sweden next year to help advance research into dimming sunlight to cool the earth, which, of course, is alarming environmentalists. Um <laughs> Open air research into spraying tiny sun reflecting particles into the stratosphere to offset global warming has been stalled by controversies for years, blah, blah, blah. Um, If successful, it could be a step towards an experiment, perhaps in the autumn of 2021, to release a tiny amount into the atmosphere. So opponents of the balloon see it as a step towards engineering the climates with artificial sunshades. so anyway, yeah, it's just all of this stuff and uh, Europe who is or and Sweden and stuff are uh, since this is from Harvard University are like, well, this sort of just sounds like America being like, no, see, we can just use fossil fuels forever. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. And that's... then and then in response to that, the Harvard uh, scientist said, well, there's been a long history of people doing research on things that were socially unpopular at the time that we now see as as important things like birth control. So it's like, yeah, come. OK, guy, <laughs> settle, settle down. Mm. Yeah, there, there's it, that is a slippery slope of of like uh, if we have five countries independently shooting things into the stratosphere to cool it down and we're like oh i didn't know you were doing it too um now we're really cold and we've uh dawn of the you know next ice age Uh, it's it's the year 536 all over again like the factory that makes the quote sun reflecting particles explodes and mount vesuvius like just clouds our atmosphere and scorches the earth Oh, 536. Oh, boy. Well, there is. Maybe it's best to scorch the earth because now there's a mutant drug resistant super gonorrhea strain that could make STIs untreatable. So uh, it is fear that it will soon become untreatable thanks to a perfect storm caused by COVID-19. So the World Health Organization, who warns that the STI may become even more resistant to antibiotics as their overuse during the pandemic is driving its mutation. So the UK, this is a story from, or an article from the UK, the UK is the highest gonorrhea rate in Europe. And there could be more than uh, 420,000 new cases by the year 2030. Experts say increasing number of cases have been found in hospitals around the world thanks to the overuse of antibiotic antibiotics being used to treat COVID-19. So apparently gonorrhea can cause serious and permanent health problems in both men and women. Um, so anyway, look forward to your super, your, 
<laughs> your super resistant strain of gonorrhea coming your way in 2021. Um, man. <laughs> I, I don't even have a response to that. <laughs> I just like that article because gonorrhea is, I believe, the funniest sounding uh, STI. <laughs> well, yeah, and I realize they don't call them STDs anymore. They're all referred to as STIs. Infections? Uh, I believe so. Se- sexually transmitted, in yeah, probably infection as opposed to disease. So I don't know if there's some sort mm. of scientific clarification that distinguishes a disease from an infection or mm. anyway. Well, in the most obvious news on Earth, face masks significantly reduce the brain's ability to recognize people <laughs> by as much as 15%. This study, who was funded somehow by people looking to throw away money, also finds that masks interfere with the mind's ability to process a whole face instantly. Yes. People are still able to do it, but it just takes more time. Instead of, quote, instead of looking at the entire face, we're now forced to look at eyes, nose, cheeks, and other visible elements to construct the uh, entire face precept, which we used to do instantly, the team explains. For this study that apparently maybe that's all they could do. <laughs> like everybody else is researching COVID. They're like, I guess we'll do this. It was like the one thing left in the hat that they were drawing. Come on, guys. This isn't a real study. <laughs> uh, all right. We got a couple more here. The I found a list of the types of vehicles that have the most DUIs. Oh. And the Ram 2500 truck by Dodge has more than twice the national average. (laughs) So uh, other Hmm. trucks uh, uh, behind. So it was the Ram 2500, the Chevy S10, which I thought that one was kind of weird because, uh, number one, that was my first vehicle, a 1989 Chevy (laughs) S10. But that's like the kind of the low. It's kind of like that. You're the your Ford, Ford Ranger. You know, it's not right. like this aggressive, like super truck. It's just like a pickup truck. So I thought that was weird kind of next to the um, the Ram 2500. And then it goes the BMW 4 Series, the Audi, a Dodge Dakota, Subaru, Subaru WRX, the BMW 7 Series. Oh, here we go. The Ford Ranger, the Chevrolet Silverado, the Sierra. um, are all much higher than the national average of all the other cars. So the safest, well, the safest, the vehicles that have the fewest <laughs> DUI issues uh, are the Toyota RAV4, the Hyundai Santa Fe, and the Toyota Sienna. So so I, clearly I would, my, my reaction is hearing certain cars, I instantly judge who the driver is oh a hundred percent like this subaru wrx like is just you know young 20 something old teen you know later teen uh boys looking to uh show off right and, and be stupid and oh, that's one of those little ones like they put the spoilers on, one of those types. Exactly. Oh, okay, I'm like exactly. thinking of like just Ace, like the Subaru Mobile, like the no, Outback no, no. or whatever. No, oh, this is, okay, the that WRX makes total sense. Is very specific, like douchebag mobile, <laughs> and 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 it's because it's very zippy. It's it's got a great little engine. It's it's super like. If you're gonna trick out a vehicle and make it go really fast, you're the best bang for your bucks buck is with uh, Super WRX, and so it it also makes sense that that you know in my mind of being a judgmental stereotyper, oh sure, uh, I, I would say ah well that that makes sense, and all of the best quality or the the least frequent DUIs are like soccer mom mobiles yep and, yep. and <laughs> whatever a toyota sienna is there is a there's a karen near me currently driving right. driving her a, five kids to soccer practice and there's a bottle of chardonnay at home <laughs> waiting for her but she's not out sipping it at, at, she's know. got one of those cans of rosé all day or whatever <laughs> this is but, i think i've lamented this before but now that i am no longer an alcoholic it's like I, there's this gigantic bloom of 
all of these different types and delivery styles from cans to little uh, those Tetra Pak kind of square box yep. things and like all of this stuff. It's just this a golden age for day drinkers. And I'm like, come on. You know how hard white, I had to work? White claw. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. gosh. All right. Well, uh, kind of a, another story that we've kind of followed all through the years of our podcast is that of the the Wapato Jail. So oh, yeah. the never used Wapato Jail is now operating as a homeless shelter. So 33 people are staying at the Bybee Lakes Hope Center, which is what they call it, the Bybee Lakes Hope Center, uh, which is a 155,000 square foot building. Uh, which is still undergoing renovations, but the center was able to open in phase one. Uh, Because of the pandemic, which opened on October 12, it is only allowing clients to occupy about 30% of their 135 beds. So phase two will consist of a large remodel to make the building more home-like by adding natural light and upgrading some kitchen stuff and adding a playground. Uh, The center is different from other shelters because it has a vetting process that screens potential uh, residents through referrals from other programs. And it's against the center's rules to drink or use drugs there. Now that the process is even more limited because of the capacity uh, limitations. But um, so that's good news, at least that that uh, building, which has just been a gigantic waste all these years, is finally being used. And I hope it's kind of a successful program to get people back on. I mean, you and I were talking before we were recording about how even, I mean, obviously way more than the 80s, 70s and 80s and 90s, like if you have, if you're starting with nothing these days, you cannot build something. Like you cannot own property to get you a lot. You can't pay the tax. Like it's just so like even thinking like if for some reason, you know, I lost my jobs and I couldn't, um, you know, I, I could last one month on rent maybe. And then like, let's say I had to go find another place. Like not only would I not be able to find a place as uh, with the, for the same price as I'm at, but I can't pay for any of the application fees. I can't pay for moving fee. I can't, it's like right. thousands and thousands of dollars just to get some crappy apartment. And so I'm, I hope this program helps uh, a lot of people uh, being able to kind of reclaim uh, some of those things. So, And you and I have been very lucky during this time of coronavirus that uh, you're in a, a situation where you can work uh, yes. be, because you're, you're not out in retail. Uh, you know, you're, you're isolated to a single family at a time yeah, and, yeah. and, and things. And I happen to work in technology online. And, uh, and so our business has, has been great this year, but there's so many who, you know, work in hospitality or, you know, it, it, it have just been absolutely decimated. And the response of our government has just been appalling and uh, looking at other industrial nations like Canada and what they've done yeah. uh, is, is <laughs> uh, makes me sadder uh, for what our country has become. I and- think the one thing, and I do get like the, um, like so pure socialism, you know, does not work, blah, blah, blah. All those things sure. makes people lazy, blah, blah, blah. But I feel, I think part of what is disappointed disappointed me about the government response to this isn't that I'm I hope the government steps in every time to fix everything which everybody is complaining about but like this is such a catastrophic blow to everything that our economy as a whole which means our nation as a whole is not going to survive this if we don't do anything so it's not like oh let's just bail people out so they don't have to work it's like it's the most selfish thing this country can do right now is to give its citizens money to keep us going. Like it's the socialism break in case of emergency, which isn't really socialism. It's the have an emergency fund in case something happens type of thing. And I wish there was more distinction between like here, the government comes again, trying to take control and solve all our problems. It's like, that's not what, like, that's not what this is. So anywho, Um, I'm going to skip this new thing that, um, let's see, I'll give the 
They've discovered a new distance-sensitive brain cell that can track how far we travel during trips and can record lo locations of pertinent objects and landmarks along the way. So basically, it's a it's kind of like a GPS that our brain has for remembering mm. directions and how to get there and like how that works. Um, so that was sort of interesting. But instead, I'm going to end with a story from uh, a follow-up story from 2009, much, much, much before we ever started our podcast. Mark, do you remember the saga of the Balloon Boy? I do. <laughs> I do. And I remember uh, specifically I was living in Los Angeles at the time and the uh, Halloween following the incident was chock full of people dressed as either the balloon <laughs> or a balloon over their head with the boy or like some iteration of being uh, balloon boy as uh, a Halloween gag uh, uh, prop was. So it, it must have been 2009 yeah. uh, because that's when I was in L.A. Uh, for the first time at Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, that's yeah. what I, I mean. That was the that was the O.J. Bronco chase of the 2000 <laughs> of the 2000s, like where everyone on Earth was watching this slow moving white vehicle, one of them on the freeway, one of them just in the sky trying to figure out who was in what was going on in there, how they were going to stop it and all that. And of course. Turned out to be uh, not true, but the parents who were convicted in that have received a pardon. So a couple <laughs> convicted of the criminal charges in the so-called balloon boy hoax that fascinated the country more than a decade ago was pardoned by the governor of Colorado. So Richard and Mayumi Heaney reported their six-year-old son had floated away in a homemade UFO-shaped silver helium balloon in 2009. But of course, the child was never on that balloon and he was found unharmed. Um... Uh, let's see, and the, the blah, blah, blah. 11 years later, the couple has now, quote, paid the price in the eyes of the public and shouldn't have to be dragged down by a criminal record for the rest of their lives, said Colorado Governor Jared Polis. Uh, Richard Heaney served a month in jail after pleading guilty to a felony count of attempting to influence a public servant, and the wife, Mayumi, was jailed for 20 days for filing a false report. They also had to pay $36,000 in restitution. Um, they told ABC News last year that it wasn't a hoax because they did truly fear their son could have been on board uh, when they called for help. So it looks like the Heenies are free to fly once again. So, <laughs> oh, their boy, their boy is named Falcon. Yes. And their other one, they had like a couple kids and they were all had like insane weirdo name. That whole family was a little... A little heeny, I'll just I was, say. I was I was trying to look him up to see what Balloon Boy. Oh yeah, because like, he I think he should be about. Where is he now? Well, yeah, he would 17. be about twenty years old, nineteen or twenty years old. Uh, yeah. Um, him and uh, Elian Gonzalez. I, oh like yeah, checking in on him. He's now a a young family man in. Uh, Cuba. Well, he is Cuba's best asset, so he <laughs> he is going to live a long, healthy life as long as the Cuban government can see to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, that is, that's all the news I had. Cool. Uh, I didn't have any news articles, but uh, got, got a couple fun things to talk about. Awesome. So <clears throat> as I was looking for ideas for today's show, I was, I was looking up kind of uh, interesting questions and physics and science and and everything and and i kind of stumbled upon a couple that uh we're gonna cover two topics each of them have had definitive answers that we have been taught and those answers are totally bogus <laughs> <laughs> and so uh there's there's always those kind of things of like there's five fields on your mouth for you know sweet sour oh, right. salt bitter yeah. you know that we were taught you're like fuck man it's oh, <laughs> stupid it's not a thing uh uh and so um with a bicycle if you take a bicycle and you're in a parking lot uh and you aim the the handlebars one way and you get it going it will self level uh, to some degree for some distance, right? right. Uh, and so if it starts to fall over, it will self-correct and stay upright. And so the mechanism for doing that has been uh, 
clearly uh, defined and and spread as gospel three times now. <laughs> so so uh, the the standard bike bicycle that we know of today actually started in 1890 as what was called the safety bicycle. Uh, be, before that, we had uh, the penny farthings, and, and they were really dangerous. <laughs> it's been and so long since we've talked about the penny farthing. <laughs> totally. uh, but in 1890, the, the safety bicycle was introduced, and it basically had all the things that we know today. It had two equally sized uh, bicycle wheels with a frame and a chain drive for the rear axle and steering, right? Uh, and... It was much later that uh, the diamond shape of the frame was introduced, but uh, but basically the 1890 version of the safety bicycle is the same one we had today. And in 1896, there was a guy that uh, penned a uh, a research paper saying that bicycles self-correct and uh. and are able to stay upright without a uh, can you hear me? I, I I lost you for about five seconds. Oh, can you hear me now? <laughs> you can hear me now. I know, but you're cutting or... out a little bit. Okay, I think I think you're back. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, and so in <laughs> in uh, uh, 1890 and then 1896, there was a man that penned a research paper saying they do self-correct, but he had no explanation as to how or why. And it wasn't until uh, 20 years later in 1910 that a mathematician, uh, Felix Klein, and his colleagues Fritz Nether and Arnold Sommerfeld wrote a four-volume book on gyros and gyroscopes. And they argued that the gyroscopic effect is what causes a bike to be self-stabilizing in motion. So we have the bicycle wheels, you know, a, a stationary bicycle doesn't self-correct. And so <laughs> it will fall over. <coughs> and, and <coughs> getting a little choked up over there. Uh, totally. I'm, this is really an emotion. It was all lies. <laughs> and, uh, so their supposition is they were doing gy- gyroscopic research was, the wheels themselves serve as gyroscopes. And so as a bicycle travels, the gyroscopic effect increases. And if the bicycles tend to lean to one side or the other, the gyroscopic effect reacts and pushes it back up using the centripetal force. And... uh, in 1970, you know, 60 years later, it was definitively proved that that wasn't the case. And what they did is they invoked uh, alternate gyroscope, uh, gyroscopic wheels on a bicycle to counteract the gyroscopic effect of the bicycle wheels. So they nulled out the gyroscopic effect and the bicycle still self-corrects. Now, walk me through so, nullifying the gyroscopic effect. So I, I don't have a ton of detail about it, but basically the um, the motion and of of the wheel is uh, giving the gyroscopic effect to the bicycle and it's that that wheel is going forward, if you will. If you're looking at it from the right hand side, it's going clockwise. If you put an alternate wheel just above it, spinning counterclockwise, that motion is uh, counterbalanced with an opposing motion okay. that nulls that out. Okay. Right? Just cancels so, it out. Yeah, it just cancels it out. It has no uh, discern- discernible effect one way or the other. And so uh, the bicycle still self-corrects. And so the... Uh, the scientist in 1970, his name was David Jones. He built a bike with no gyroscopic effect, and he concluded that it, the self self stability of the bike was due to fork trail. <laughs> so fork trail. 
What the heck is Fork Trail? It's what also is called Fork Trail? <laughs> what is Fork Trail? Fork Trail is also called the caster effect. And so caster. When, caster, when you are in a grocery store and you've got the the cart, when you push the cart, the the wheels are not centered over the point of contact with the cart itself. The wheels are centered behind so that if I push the cart forward, the wheels line up behind and go in the same direction of whatever I'm pushing. And so if they were perfectly centered underneath the point of contact, they could spin uh, 90 degrees and you would be pushing against the the wheel itself. So if you put it just a little off center, the wheel self-corrects and and goes with the flow. Okay. Okay. And so his supposition was that the caster effect was keeping the bicycle upright and it didn't have a lot of weight to it. Like that that argument didn't it's not very provable. And it turned out that um Oh, uh, the the uh, gyroscopic people, uh, <laughs> they had two math errors in their oh, no. uh, thing that, that was discovered in 1970. And they <laughs> literally flipped uh, positive for negative in two equations. And uh, that was once that was corrected, the gyroscopic effect uh, was just nulled in wow. their, their equations altogether. So in 1970. They said that um, the self-writing was because of uh, the caster effect or fork trail. And uh, it turns out that they then built a bicycle with no uh, trail effect or with with no fork trail effect. And it still (laughs) self-writes. So it wasn't that either. Uh, Now, it's clear that both the gyroscopic effect and fork trail assist and make stability uh, and the self-writing ability more enhanced and they do help uh, keep it upright longer, but they are not the core effect. So the self-writing actually happens, there's, there's one mechanism that has three causes of it. And so I'm going to show you just a little bit of a video. Okay. Um, And I'm just going to share this part of the screen. It's going to share this time with me. Okay. And so, okay. So here's a a little animation of a bicycle kind of coming towards you and kind of, Okay. Yeah. And so when the bicycle is going towards you and it uh, leans to one direction to fall over, what happens is the front wheel turns in that same direction and brings the bicycle back up to upright. So is that what they mean when okay. I always get confused in the winter when they're like steer into the skid and I don't know what that means or how to do it. Is that what the uh, bike is doing? Is that steering into its skid <laughs> even though it's not skidding? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't, I don't think it's a good question. Anyway. Uh, kind of. Um, anyway. So yeah, and everybody's seen this, you know, when a bike, even if you're riding without, you know, with hands off the hands off the handlebars or whatever, and you kind of go to one side a little bit, and then the bike, yeah, just corrects itself and suddenly goes straight again. Correct, exactly. And so three things are happening that cause that effect to take place. One is the backwards tilt of the bike's steering axis. Uh, so because the steering wheel comes in at an angle to the front wheel instead right. of going straight down. The steering axis is just in front of the point of contact where the tire touches the ground. Right. And so 
if you're just standing there with a motionless bike and you lean it to the left, the steering will automatically turn to the left. And when you lean it to the right, the steering will go to the right. And that's just simply because of gravity. And the, the two parts here are the steering axis is in front of where it touches the, uh, touches the ground. Right. And in most bicycles, the average mass of the front wheel is kept in front of the steering axis. And so you can see on on this picture of the, of the bike, the um, uh, let's see if there's a better there's a better place up here. Yeah. So the the point the center of gravity here in this little crosshair yeah is in front of the steering axis. Sure. And so when you are just holding it in the air and you lean it to one direction or the other, it will gravity will pull it in that direction. So you've got the steering axis in relation to where it touches the ground, and you've got the mass of the wheel in terms of the steering axis. So those two factors uh, are, are two of the three. And the third is <laughs> part of the gyroscopic effect. So okay. when, when I have, when I hold a gyroscope in my hand and it's spinning like a bicycle tire if i lean it to the left or i lean it to the right it will turn to the left and turn to the right okay and uh and that's just because it's a it's a 3d object in space and it's similar to how helicopter uh mechanisms work and and the whole thing but when you uh put a lean to the left or lean to the right, the gyroscopic effect turns it to the left and turns it to the right. Okay. And so those three factors uh, self-center a bicycle and, and keep it upright. Wow. And so yeah. it's interesting because the way, oh, by the way, you have 475 YouTube uh, notifications, which makes me wonder, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing on YouTube that you have that many interactions right? and I notifications? No um, but we've all seen that thing where you take a bicycle tire and put it on a rope or something like that and hang yep. it from the ceiling and you spin the tire real fast. And that's that's the gyroscope effect, correct? Uh, yep, exactly. And so it'll keep itself up and, and all of that stuff. And that is... Is gyroscopic effect part of angular momentum? Yes. Because exactly. that's to me, it's like, well, it makes sense if the tires are both spinning, they're both putting their momentum straight up or straight down, which keeps the bike straight up and straight down. And so that has a little effect on the thing. But the fact that the front steered wheel turns automatically into the fall is what keeps it upright. Right. So if you had a bicycle that had a stationary front wheel and back wheel, it would most likely fall over pretty quickly after it kind of Absolutely. lost speed. At, uh, before that, yeah. It, oh, it would, okay. It would not self-correct at all. Wow. If, if you just had straight wheels, it would just go and fall. <laughs> go and fall. Aw. <laughs> now I'm personifying the poor fallen bicycle. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, yeah, because I've never I guess I've always just chalked it up to that. The science of the late 1890s, which is where all of my scientific knowledge ends. Right. And I I literally remember hearing this in science class growing up of like bicycles stay upright because of the gyroscopic. Effect. Yeah. Well, because it's such a neat you can take the bicycle tire and bring it into the classroom so everyone can see. Totally. Because then you can do the thing where you get the tire spinning and then you hold it um, yep. and you sit in a chair. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then you turn the wheel perpendicular and, and it makes you spin in the chair. <laughs> totally. God, that's so weird. Oh, right. wow. Interesting. OK, so that's that's the first one. And okay. the other other one is a little bit simpler and is the um what we refer to as the Coriolis effect for water going down a drain 
goes one way in the northern hemisphere and the other way in the southern hemisphere. And there's still <laughs> controversy about this. <laughs> and I don't under, understand how we are in 2020 <laughs> definitively like debunked or not debunked or whatever. But basically, if, <clears throat> if I had an LP player uh, on the table and I put a little dish of water with some, um, yeah, and put a drop of food coloring in that in that water. So the little dish of water is on the record platter. I turn on the record platter, and the record is spinning with the little bowl of colored water in it. That the water in the plate will have some angular momentum to it will rotate and that is the Coriolis effect and so that's what we're talking about when we say the earth is spinning and so in the northern hemisphere if I'm in space looking down at the north pole I'm looking at the earth spinning uh clockwise it's yeah I earth is spinning <laughs> clockwise <clears throat> the Coriolis effect of my bowl in Portland, Oregon, just north of 45 degrees from, from them, will say that the water will be spun just like that little plate of water on the LP player that, <coughs> sorry, that that is what is causing it to go down one direction. And if we were, on the southern hemisphere, all the things are reversed. It's going to go down the other way. There are literally tourist attractions on the equator in South America and in Africa where they have uh, the equator down the middle of the property. And on one side, they've got a toilet bowl that they'll flush uh, and it'll go down one way. And then at the equator, they'll flush a toilet and it'll go straight down. And at the other side of the property, they'll flush a toilet and go the other way, right? And these are purely tourist traps, yes. <laughs> purely gimmicked tourist traps. Yeah. With bowls that are affected to spin one way or another. The basin is uh turned in a way that it it allows the water to flow in one area. So they they're making money off of uh the bowl idiots americans <laughs> and the coriolis effect does have influence in things like weather patterns so when you look at a area that's a thousand you know a thousand square miles and you've got a twisted twist of uh of a uh, big cloud formation that can have some effect by the Coriolis effect. And so these these are real effects. They do exist. They are science, and, and we don't want to discredit them. <laughs> We're not saying that the Coriolis effect doesn't uh, influence things. But the magnitude to which it affects your bowl of water <laughs> in your house is about one ten thousandth the effect that gravity has. And so it literally... <laughs> If there's uh, a any motion of air in the room or of water in the bowl, <laughs> that will eclipse any amount of Coriolis effect that has been influenced on the on this water whatsoever by big magnitudes. Like just one little drop uh, of motion of water, it will just absolutely eclipse any Coriolis effect yeah. in in your local experience. And so it is because of the inherent state of things are mostly moving that we experience uh, things in our toilet you know, or, or the bowl in the sink or I pull the plug or whatever. Uh, we're not coming from a zero state where nothing is moving and there's no air movement in the room, all the, you know, all the things. And so it's mostly random plus the the physical nature of the bowl or what movement of the fluid in that bowl had before pulling the plug or flushing the water or, or whatever or the 
uh, direction that the flush. I was gonna say when you when into... you think of a toilet, you're unleashing like a gallon or two of water through the little, I mean, holes that are drilled into porcelain <laughs> at an angle to help right. it sweep it down, like. It's not just placing new water gently on exactly. the top and like letting nature decide how it swirls around the drain. Right. And so the Coriolis effect uh, has nearly insignificant or definitely insignificant, nearly zero effect on any of your visible uh, bowls that are <laughs> spinning water down a drain uh, at all. And I would so imagine, and is, I, I can't to do with it. I can't say for sure, but I would guess that Jupiter is a good example to look for for the Coriolis effect really? because all everything is so light and gaseous that it can be influenced by. I mean, if you think of taking like a snow globe or something, one of those balls that have like yep. glittery stuff on the inside and spinning that in your hand and stopping it and then watching everything swirl around. Yeah, that's exactly right. And Jupiter spins hella fast. Oh, does it? Um, yeah. Hey, Google, what's the length of a Jupiter day? The solar day of Jupiter is nine hours, 55 minutes and 33 seconds. So, so in 10 hours, so it's, so it's, like 10 times bigger than we are <laughs> or more insane. than that. And it's spinning, uh, you know, more than two times every one of our days. And wow. so it's spinning really fast. So the surface speed on Jupiter is ridiculous and uh, it's a gaseous planet. And so it's just, uh, you know, we're just looking at all of the layers of, of gas yeah. interacting. That's fascinating. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that, that's that's our two uh That's perfect. We I, we should turn that into bunkings. an ongoing series of things we used to believe or whatever. Uh <laughs> yeah. it's funny cuz I had totally forgotten. I must have gone down a Coriolis effect the thing at some point, probably prompted by the episode of the Simpsons where they go to Australia and at the US embassy in Australia Homer was <laughs> They had built this giant machine on the toilet so that when you flushed it, it would write the direction of the uh, of the water going down the bowl so that it would be just like it was in America. And it was like this gas powered whatever, just so that it could get the water to go the other way. But I'd forgotten that there are those places on the equator that have like one on the south and on the <laughs> south side, one on the north side and one in the middle. And it's just like taking money from tourists who show up. And that's so funny. Ah, oh, awesome. It is almost, hey. this is our last show of 2020. How about that? It is. That is crazy. Well, <sighs> goodbye, 2020. We Oof. hardly knew a year. Or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. What can, what can 2021 do? Well, uh, I guess uh, now that we have genetically genetically engineered pigs and salmon and and sun dimming technology it'll only be only be used for good so anyway well thank you for taking the time to join me and thank you for my wonderful metal detector that i can't wait to to dig into and start exploring with um you can hear us on Fun Employment Radio. You can check out Brian the Unipiper. You can check out, we have a new episode of Portland at the Movies Up um, about this movie called Train Master, which is filmed in West Lynn and Willamette, Oregon, and it's this children's movie. And on Christmas Day, so I share a property with my, the lady who owns it who lives in the house next door, and she had her son and daughter over for Christmas, and they were distancing on the back porch, and so I kind of went over to talk to them from a distance and... Uh, I mentioned that we had just done this movie called train master and the daughter was like, Oh my gosh, I went to school with the daughter of the guy who made that movie. And like, she, re she remembers all about it. And like the other guy was like, Oh, I went to the premiere at the Hawthorne theater. And like this <laughs> little movie that nobody has ever heard of that they had a big tie to. But, um, so that's a fun episode. Check that out on Portland at the movies.com. Um, other than that, I will find something eventually to play at the end of this. Hopefully there's a song about gyroscopes. So <laughs> we will talk to you guys later. Thank you for listening.
All right. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Yes, yes. Let's go inside out. You can't go.